good to see everyone this morning. Thank you all for being here. It's quite unusual circumstances in the, going on in the world right now. But it's so wonderful, isn't it, that we can come here and we can do the things that we always do on the first day of the week. And we can take comfort in that. And we can modify and change and adapt certain things throughout our week as, as we normally have them structured. But there are some things that we must do to the best of our ability. And that includes coming together on the first day of the week to, to worship our God. We see a couple of things in that. And I'll just say a couple of words about this and we'll move on. But I, I, I want to caution us all in, in, in being careful and not condemning other brethren, brethren in other places for what they might be doing during this time. We see God's wisdom in making the churches autonomous, that they can be self-governing through the elders that might be at that congregation or the men there, and they make the decisions that's best for them. We here at Cortez have come up with a way that we can be together on the first day of the week. We're a smaller group. We can spread ourselves out a little bit and come together and still um, be uh, respectful of people's space and, and, and hopefully do our part to curb this virus that's going around. But it is important that we come together in, in whatever way that might be, and and next week, it, it might not be so. But we hope and pray that it will be, because through all this, God is in control, as we discussed last week. We put our faith in him, we put our trust in him, and do what he's asked us to do as his children, and we'll be blessed for it. So thank you all again for being here and assembling this morning. Given that, I want to talk about something that's that's elementary and very fundamental as, as a Christian. And that is God's redemption of man. And I, I've had this kind of on the shelf for a little while. And, I, you know, I thought that, that this might be a good time to give this lesson. Because what we're going to talk about uh, this morning is, is some very fundamental things. And the reason that I want to bring this lesson this morning is because, you know, there's lots of opportunity out there in the world right now to tell people about God's redemption of man. People are, are frightened and scared and, and, and looking to find comfort somewhere. So you might come in contact with someone who is, who is open to hearing about what God has done for all mankind. And so this lesson is geared towards um, the, the five-minute speech, if you will. In your bulletin, you have a handout there that's going to go along with what we are talking about this morning. It's kind of a cheat sheet. And on the left-hand side, it has the, the, the points that we will make here this morning. And then in the right-hand column, it has the scriptures that, that back up those points, that make those points. And what we're going to be talking about is, what has God done for man? Well, God has redeemed man from his sins. And, and that's what you're holding in your hands there is, is a... Is a very brief account of how that has taken place. And we're going to go through that this morning. So I want you to follow along with that. And I want you to have this at your disposal so when you come in contact with someone, you have something there that you might be able to go over with them. And start from the beginning with God creating man in his own image. And, and go from there and, and, and all the way through till Jesus Christ dying for our sins and, what, how, and how we respond to that in order to become a child of God. So that's what we want to do this morning, and I've said I would do my part to keep things brief, so I will try to be as brief as possible. But I wanted to, to let you know that. 
We'll start here, Mark 16, 15. Jesus says, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know, it was, it was an important charge to his disciples who would become those apostles, those ones sent out to do this work that Jesus had given them to do, to go out and tell the good news about himself, about Jesus Christ. And that's why I had Larry read that this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that is the gospel message in its purest and simplest form, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So that's the good news that we go and tell someone. So where do we start? Matthew's recording of the Great Commission reads this way, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. There's the charge to the, the, the disciples, the apostles, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, we might say, well, that, yeah, okay, great, that's for the, those 12, those 11 men, for them to go out and do that. Well, what about us? Well, let's look at how this perpetuates itself, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What did Jesus command them? All the things about the good news, love God uh, with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, all those lessons that he taught them, he said to go and teach those to other people, all the world. So by the time Paul writes to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, he tells the young evangelist Timothy, he says, The things which, I, which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you see how this perpetuates itself, that our responsibility is to keep this going. Our responsibility is to continue to spread the good news about Jesus Christ and him crucified. So let's start. As I mentioned there, in the very beginning, what is, where do we start? If you were to, 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 to meet with someone and, and, and want to tell them about the good news, this is a good place to start. Start at the beginning. Man was created in the image of God. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, says, God said, let us make man in our image. A couple things about that. Us represents the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three were, in, were, in, were, were present when this was said. And it's, it's important to understand that in understanding the timelessness and the eternity of God. Not just God the Father, but God the Son and God the Spirit. Image here is, is some versions read that as, as likeness. Let us make man in our likeness. And the idea is, unlike all the other animals, man was given a soul. And there's where the likeness is. The likeness is being spoken of is intelligence and reason, self-will, consciousness, a spoken language. We have that in the likeness of God. God has those things. So separate from the animals, we have the ability to think and to reason and to have a will and to have a conscience and to have a soul. So when God says, let's make man in our image, that's what's being spoken of here is the idea that we can communicate with God, so to speak, because we're made in his image. He speaks to us through his word. We speak to him through our prayers. We have, a, we have self-will. We have a conscience. We have a soul. And it's the, 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 what we will do with that soul, what the decisions we will make that affects the soul that's so important because the soul is everlasting. 
understanding that, that we were made in his own image, man and woman separated themselves from God when they sinned against him. And that brought sin into the world. In Genesis 3 and verse 3, we, we read that, how God had told them, Adam and Eve, not to eat of a certain tree in the garden, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you shall not eat from that tree. You shall not eat from it or touch it. Why? Lest you die. And then we know the story. The serpent came and he deceived Eve and she ate from it and she gave it to, to Adam and he ate from it and thus sin entered the world. In Romans 5 and verse 12, Paul tells us about this. He says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death, th and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, why? Because all sin. Now, it's, the wording of that is very important in understanding. It, Paul doesn't say that sin spread to all men. He said that death spread to all men. Why? Because all sin. It's sin that separates us from God. And so we're in a state as, as human beings when we come to an age where we understand that what we are doing is wrong. We come to that, what we sometimes call an age of accountability. We sin, and we separate ourselves from God. And in that state, we cannot be put back together with him. Our soul is in jeopardy at that state. We risk an eternity in hell if, we don't, if we're not redeemed from that state, which is where God's grace and his mercy comes in. Because God, God promised to redeem man from his sins and to bless all people of the earth. So back in Genesis um, 3 there with the account, because of the things that, that Adam and Eve did, there were certain uh, judgments that came against them. And they were kicked out of the garden. They were physically in that state of being separated from God. And they're also spiritually in that state of being separated from God. But God did not leave man in that state. He told through Abraham how he was going to accomplish the redemption of mankind back to himself. And he gave Abraham a promise. It was a threefold promise. A promise of land, a promise of, of a nation. And this part of it, which, which interests us in particular, in your families all the earth shall be blessed. That's a, a prophecy of redemption that would come through the seed of Abraham. And we know how the story goes from there. Through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, that promise would be carried through all the way down to who we'll talk about here in just a moment. But there's the promise. Man had been separated from God through sin, but God was not going to leave man in that state. He was going to have a way that they could be redeemed back to him. And God promised about that redemption that it would come through a prophet. And we know, having the, the benefit of, of, of hindsight of, of God's word, we know that that prophet was Jesus. In Deuteronomy 18 and verse 18, Moses here speaking um, about the, the, the time here. Uh, he's recounting the things that have happened already. He's reminding the children of Israel about some, of certain things. And this is the word of God that they, he reminds them of. I will raise up from them a prophet like you among their brethren, and I will put my words into his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. In the immediate context, he's talking about when they go into the land, and when they possess the land, that they're going to be led by men of God who will be given the words directly from God. 
in the larger context, in the, in the prophetic, the longer, farther reaching, he is talking about Jesus Christ. And we know that because of a, a passages like this in particular. Acts chapter 3, when Peter is giving that second sermon there, Peter says, For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Here's exactly, quoting there exactly what we just talked about. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. It shall be that every soul who does not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. There's a consequence for not listening to the prophet. The consequence for not doing what God has said through the prophet. Verse 24, yes, uh, all the other prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have all foretold these days. Well, there's a reference to the prophets telling of a time when this one prophet would come that would redeem man from his sins. Verse 25, you are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all families of the earth shall be blessed. There's Peter look, pulling in exactly what we talked about a minute ago, the promise to Abraham that all nations were going to be blessed through his seed, through his lineage. And then verse 26, to you first, God having raised up his servant, Jesus. All this points to Jesus Christ. Sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. All the things that were set in motion from Adam and Eve's first sin to the promise that God was going to redeem man to his, from his sins to the promise of a prophet that would come to accomplish this, that is, the redemption would come through Jesus Christ. And that time would happen when, when God would determine it. Jesus came to the time appointed by God to carry out his plan of redemption. This wasn't haphazard. This wasn't a matter just of circumstance. God determined when this would be. In Galatians 4, and verses 4 and 5, Paul writes there, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. It was the exact moment when God wanted it to happen, that Jesus would come and bring redemption with him. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. How wonderful that is. According to God's timing, he sent Jesus Christ, what? So that we might receive the adoption as sons. We can be called children of God. We can have that adopted father of our Lord, of God himself, our father. So how did Jesus accomplish this? He accomplished it by being crucified, that is the shedding of his blood, being buried, being resurrected. That's the plan by which God chose to do it. At the hands of men, his own son would be put to death. He would be buried in the ground. And on the third day, he would be resurrected. Peter writes it this way in First Peter, I should say, First Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but what? With the precious blood of Christ. We weren't redeemed by anything that man's hands might make. We weren't redeemed by anything that we could do to accomplish in and of ourselves. We, are, we were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb without blemish or without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. 
That helps us to understand that God had this plan already <laughs> set in motion, already ready to go since the beginning, before the beginning of time as we know it. But was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. This is how God accomplished redemption. He sent his only son. He was put to death and buried and resurrected. So what? So that we might have faith and hope in God. That's the way God chose to do it. And understand this is very important. We are redeemed from our sins only through Jesus Christ. In John 14 and verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4 and verse 12, nor is there any salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's God's plan. He determined how he would accomplish this, and it's the only way that we come to him, God the Father, is through Jesus Christ the Son. It's the only way. So given all that, given walking someone through all of that and understanding that from the beginning this is how God set these things in motion, how do we respond to what God has done for us? And there is a way that we must. In order to be saved from our sins, we must. There are some things that we must do, and it starts with hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Hearing that gospel message, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, as we read there in Romans 10 and verse 17. It's not going to fall upon us out of the sky. We have to hear it. We have to hear the message. So what does that put on us as disciples of Christ? What kind of responsibility does it put on us? Well, it puts on us the responsibility of telling the good news. Go and tell the good news. Because if we don't, the world's not going to hear it. Yes, there's always going to be a remnant. Yes, there's always going to be God's people as long as the earth is around. But what is God's underlying will for all mankind? He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's our responsibility to spread the word, to let people know about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And hearing the good news then, we have to believe in what we've heard. In Mark 16 and verse 16, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. So it's not just enough to hear the word, we have to believe the message that is being taught to us and have faith that that message comes from God. Hebrews 11:6 it says without faith it is impossible to please God. We have to have faith in order to to be pleasing to God in order to, to make our way through this and in, in, in hearing and then believing and then we have to understand that we've got to repent of our sins. We have to understand that there's a state in which we are in that we have to turn away from. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 Peter said repent let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent change turn away from you've heard the good news you believe what you have heard now you've got to make the changes in your life to turn away from that to turn away from sin remember it's sin that separates us from God turn away from it now upon doing that we have to confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God 
So all the story that we've, we've talked about up to now, we see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he was sent here in the fullness of time. Jesus Christ fulfilled the mission that God had put forth in front of him. Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, as Philip is interacting there with the, with the Ethiopian eunuch, and from Isaiah he preached to him about this coming prophet, this Jesus Christ. And the eunuch wanted to know, there's water, what prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered I, and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We have other passages like Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one uh, confession is made unto salvation. This does not negate or take away anything else that we've, we've heard so far. And it's not going to take away the fact that we have to be baptized, which will be next. But you understand the necessity of confessing Jesus Christ and, and recognizing who he is, that he is the Son of God. And upon that, you are indeed ready to be baptized. Acts 22, verse 16, Now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21 says, Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See how the resurrection of Jesus Christ keeps coming back up? The blood of Christ, him being crucified, him being buried, him being resurrected, the, the, the faith that we have in God because of that. It all culminates in baptism. We have to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Just like Peter said back there in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Baptism is necessary for our salvation. Without it, we don't, render, we don't render obedience to God. We're not washed from our sins. And upon that, we have this last thing to do, and that is to continue to be faithful to God and repent of our sins as we commit them. Revelation 2 and verse 10, Be faithful in the death, and I will give you the crown of life. We have that responsibility to keep being faithful keep living as a child of God. And when we do sin, and we will, we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 and verse 9. We all will sin, we'll stumble from time to time, but God has covered that. So if we confess it, repent of it, he will forgive us of it. So the question comes down then to this. Have you accepted God's redemption? If you're speaking to someone, if you have opportunity over the next days and weeks, as, as people are, are in a little bit of turmoil, things are in their lives are changing, we're going to be different on the other side of this in some ways, some drastic ways, maybe some little ways. But maybe, as we talked about last week, maybe this is God's way of bringing people closer to him. He's in control of these things. Maybe these kinds of events will draw us closer to him. So when we have opportunity to, to speak to someone and, and tell them this great story, this great news of Jesus Christ and him crucified, we have to come down to this question. Have you accepted God's redemption? He's done all this for us. He's done it all for you. Have you accepted it? 
And then as those who are going about doing this, we ask this question. Are you telling people about God's redemption? We have a lot of opportunity, to, to, even though we're supposed to quarantine ourselves, so to speak, we're still going to have opportunities through phone calls and some interaction that we have outside of our homes and the things that are coming up. Let's tell people about God's redemption. Let's tell people the good news about Jesus Christ and him crucified. I bring this lesson, as, like I said, as a matter of reminding us about this. I know that we are uh, children of God. I know that we've heard this lesson before and these points before, but you have something there that you can keep. Tell people about God's redemption of man. Start from the beginning. This book does. It tells us why, some people will question, why do we have the Old Testament? Why, why do we have that? It's, it's not binding on us. The law of Christ is binding on us. Sure it is. But think of what a blessing it is that we have the complete plan of God from the very beginning when man fell and committed that first sin and from there we see how God carried forth his redemption of man. What a wonderful blessing it is that we have to be redeemed of our sins so that our soul is not in jeopardy if we are obedient to him. We offer the invitation at the close of our time together as we always do. I would encourage us to be faithful through our current situation in the world. We're going to be called upon to make some difficult decisions and make some um, sacrifices. And our financial status and those kinds of things will, will be affected by all this. But I encourage us to remain faithful. To remain faithful to God. He's always been faithful to us. He's always provided a remnant. He's always provided a way that his Redemption will, will carry forward. He's been faithful to us. Let's be faithful to him. These are trying times. But we go through those times so that we can be blessed on the other side. Peace lies on the other side of conflict. I had a, an older man, a teacher of mine, that would say that a lot. Peace lies on the other side of conflict. If we get through these things, we'll be stronger for it. But remember God. Remember the great sacrifice that he made through his son. If you have the needs of the congregation, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.